Hello, and welcome back to Through It All Broadcast. I am feeling the need to talk about why Jesus. Because if we don't know why we believe what we say we believe, then we will fail in living it out. And I think there's a lot of people who go through some specifics, say some prayers, get baptized, go to church, read the Bible, and eventually fall away because they don't really understand why they've done all those things. And also, I want to keep in mind that, you know, people who maybe don't believe in the whole Christian thing and um, yet they keep coming across things that God in his grace is trying to get them to consider the truth and to find him. I've been just really burdened this past week in praying for people who are lost in darkness. I had this image of a window and outside it was dark, but in the window there was a lamp that was lit and it was there as, I don't know, I guess a sign or like, you know, kind of like that, the whole idea of the lighthouse, you know, that if you could see the light, then you could make your way to safety. And I just feel like for those who are truly walking with the Lord, walking with God, living for him, you know, being filled with his love and uh, by his spirit, that they should have a light. We should have this light that just shines from our life and our faith and the hope that we have that is helping others in the darkness to find their way home. And so I think it's really important for us to know why we believe and why is it Jesus that we believe in. And hopefully I'll be able to keep it brief. Um, And if it gets too long, I will continue it with another podcast. Super important. So I pray that God will give us understanding and that he'll help my words uh, make sense. And let's get into it. So first of all, there's so many religions in the world that try to teach people how to behave, uh, how to live their life in a more positive way. Um, Most of it is so that they get something from it. And I guess in a way you could say, you know, Christianity is, has been taught so that if you give your life to Jesus, you're going to get something for it. And in a way it's true. But really, uh, I don't think that's what God wants for us. It's not so that we can get something from him, but it's so that we can have something with him. And it's like, think about what were we made for? What is the main goal of our life? What is the eternal life that Jesus talked about? And what does give God pleasure in his creation? And I can answer all of that. What were we made for? To know God. What's the main goal of our life? To know God. 
What is the eternal life that Jesus gives? Knowing God. What gives God the most pleasure about his creation? When we know him. So it's it's really about a relationship. And you may have heard that before. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. And it really is. Um, and just like any relationship, if you want it to be strong and healthy and, and positive, you have to give. You have to spend time nurturing it. And that is uh, what we should be doing every single day, is living our life with God. Now, for some it's really hard because he's a father figure and they didn't have a good earthly father. And so it's hard for them to come to him and, and trust him. And, you know, for me, I know probably it was the most difficult in trying to have a relationship with somebody I couldn't see. He's not tangible. He's not here with me. I can't see him, hear his audible voice, feel his physical presence as in a hug or something like that. And so it's, it's kind of, you know, especially I think for men, uh, being, thinking in a spiritual way, you know, trying to wrap our mind around the spiritual aspect of our God and how he can reveal himself to us. And so really we have to come to God believing first of all that he is, that he does exist in whichever way, you know, we're not sure of. He does exist. We have to be able to agree with that fact first to have a relationship with him. And once we believe that, once we make the decision to believe that there is one God who created the heavens and the earth and everything that we see, who sustains it and upholds it, once we get to that place where we believe that, then we have to, then, then we normally start asking, well, why did he create it all? You know, what was the purpose in it? And the only way to find any of this out is to read the Bible. Now, there are many people nowadays who are, are teaching that the Bible's not relevant or that the Bible is tainted and, uh, you know, or that people have used it for their agenda. And I'm not saying that people haven't used it for their agenda because Jesus warned us there would be wolves in sheep's clothing and false teachers at the end of the, the ages. And there are, there are many people who misuse the word of God, but it doesn't change the fact that it is the word of God, that it has been used and, and proven a hundred percent accurate in finding geographical locations and archeological sites and proving history. God has preserved this word through men who he trusted, first of all, to to speak through them so that they would write down the original text and then through history even though you know some would say that it's been mistranslated and I don't I can't get into all of that because to be honest with you I wasn't there thousands of years ago you know I can't say that but that's what faith is faith is believing in what we don't understand and what we cannot see and just trusting and believing that God is who he says he is, that he has done what he has done and that he will do what he says he is going to do. 
And so that's where you have to come to, where you just determine, yes, I'm going to believe in the God of the universe, the one true God, and whatever the Bible says as a way of knowing him and having a relationship with him. And so there's going to be things about us that have to change. And, you know, just like in any relationship, if you're, uh, especially marriage, marriage, in my opinion, created by God for one man, one woman. Um, and it reveals what God does to a person. It, it's like bringing these two imperfect people together and then they have to learn how to love one another and live together in this unity, in this, you know, in this imperfect world. The, the relationships are always imperfect, but in, in love, if it's real love, then each person is willing to look at themselves and say, how can I be better to make this relationship better? And in our relationship to God, he doesn't need to change. He's perfect. He's perfect in every way, but it's us that needs to change. And the only way we can change is by looking into the word of God like a mirror and saying, where am I falling short? Where am I not? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to say equal, but where am I just not cutting it and how can I change to be better and to make this relationship with God better and not only that but once we have this relationship with God that is growing and healthy and and beautiful then it starts to impact the world around us and the people that we love and the strangers that we meet and so that's how God is interacting with his creation is through those that know him and then ultimately through the ones that know him, reaching those who are called and who are longing to know the truth and to know love and, and to know, you know, God. And so it's really beautiful. Once we really start to live our life for God, it's amazing. It's scary. It's adventurous. It's hard. Um, but the fact that we have to, first of all, determine God is who he says he is. And he's called us to know him and he wants us to know him. And then we make that the goal of our life to know God and to make him known and, and live out this eternal life right here, right now. Once we give our life to God, we just start living eternal life. And then we, we enjoy that relationship with him and let his Holy Spirit lead us. So that, I mean, we could... In the Old Testament, if you read through the Old Testament, God had relationships with the people in that time period. And uh, there's failure in knowing him back then. They didn't do everything right, and God dealt with them. He brought his judgments against them, usually through war and captivity, um, sometimes through plagues, uh, sometimes through drought sometimes through a evil king or leadership um, a person whose heart was not for god he allowed them to become king and uh, it wasn't great for the people because the people turned away from god whenever we are living our life doing whatever we want according to our own desires we are not living in the will of god and things will eventually get really sideways or upside down, you know, not good, very not good <laughs> until we 
repent and turn back to God, because that's all repentance is, is a turning back to what is right, to what God says is right. That's repentance. And so all through the Old Testament, we see the the Israelites, God's chosen people, the people that he chose to reveal himself to the rest of the world through. They would live for a short while under a king that was trying to do what was right according to God's ways. And then they would, for whatever reason, for many reasons, you know, just think too much of themselves or get caught up in worldliness and um, materialism or, you know, allow themselves to be led away by marrying other cultures that worshipped false gods or had paganism as a part of it, which was an abomination to God. And it, it was seen as unfaithful. When you start to let your heart go after other things, false gods or things that are more important in life than, you know, living a life that God called you to live, you're being unfaithful. So anyhow, the Israelites would do that and God would allow them to do what they want to do. I mean, he's, he's a God, he's a good God. And you know, he doesn't force us to believe in him. He doesn't force us to follow him and obey. He allows us to make our choices. And when we do that and we, we don't choose the good ways that he says are, you know, the best ways, then we get to deal with the consequences of our choices. And the Israelites did that several times, but God in his mercy and grace would always raise up somebody whose heart was for his ways and they would come back again. They would repent. They would listen to this person as he, you know, pleaded with them to live for God. Well, in the process of all of that, uh, through that original sin that happened with Adam and Eve in the garden, the first uh, humans that God created, they brought that sinful, I don't know what you would call it, uh, is it sinful, what's the word I'm looking for? Inclination, that, that sinful inclination of all human beings to disobey God, to rebel against God, that happened in the garden at the beginning through the temptation of Satan um, and man and woman, the originals, turned away from God. And when they did that, one of the uh, the consequences was that every human being born through their bloodline would be born in sin and have that evil inclination or that sinful inclination. Now, God in that moment knew that what they had done broke the relationship between him and his creation. And he needed to do something to forgive that. And what God says is just and what he says is um, what needs to happen. There's a reason for it, whether we understand it or not. But he killed an animal. You could call it a sacrifice, but he killed that animal and covered Adam and Eve with the skins of that animal. Because in that moment, they, they understood that they were naked. They were... You know, their shame had come upon them because they turned away from God. It wasn't so much that they were naked, but their eyes were open to their sin and what they had done in turning away from God. And so God made a way and covered them. And there's a a sign in that as to what was going to come. And so when God began to work through the Israelites, when he delivered them from Egypt, 
he set up this system of how to live a holy life, of how to live a life of following God. And it involved sacrificing animals. Um, and you can read about it in Leviticus, you know, what was required of the Israelites every time that they needed to confess their sins and be forgiven. And it was through animal sacrifice and the blood would cover them. They would get sprinkled by some of the blood, which I'm trying to imagine that. And I just think that's so gross and weird. And, you know, I mean, nowadays that's just odd. That's, you know, we would all think, okay, that's like Satanism or paganism, you know, <laughs> like who does that? But for whatever reason, that was the way that, that they would be considered forgiven in God's eyes, that they were willing to take something of theirs, sacrifice it, an animal that they had to pay for, and it would take their place essentially, right? So I read through Leviticus at least three times in my walk of faith. And I just remember the last time that I read through it, I truly became thankful for what Jesus did on the cross because I understood in that moment, there's no way I could do it. I probably would fail at even just providing the right, you know, pure animal to be sacrificed. <laughs> I was like very thankful God made a way that, that he put an end to the old ways and the sacrificial you know, forgiveness of sins that, that satisfy the wrath of God. I was just like, thank you, God. Thank you for coming up with another way. Now, what was that other way? It was in God coming to earth in human form in that, that person of Jesus, Yeshua, that was born through the virgin. It wasn't born like every other person. He was, he came through a divine supernatural birth and he came into the world as a baby to live his life as a human, to show humans the way to live a life of obedience. He submitted himself. And it's so hard for us to understand this because of the way our relationships on earth are and our idea and understanding of who God is. He's one God, yet he's revealed in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's it's just so much for our minds at times that it can be overwhelming. But what I want us to focus on today is what God did in human form through the person, Yeshua, Son of the Most High God who came to be a son of man, a human, to live on the earth, faced with all the same things, right? All the sorrow that we face, all the temptations that we face, the hunger, um, everything that we endure, Jesus experienced, God experienced through Jesus as a human. And it's a beautiful, if we can wrap our minds around that, we can finally understand how much God loves us, that he was willing to put himself lower than who he is really. And, and he just, he just humbled himself and he came down to live among us. And we don't, I don't think, especially in America, we cannot grasp how amazing that is because we don't have a king and most people don't even at least in my lifetime do not respect the president of the united states not that there's many of them that 
have earned respect. But I'm just saying, we don't really understand the majesty of a king. Of and, and, and we're not just talking about a king. We're talking about a glorious, perfect, holy being where all life flows from this being, but yet he somehow came down through human, like a human, you know, body. I was like, how did that even happen? It's amazing. And I don't think that we give it enough attention and we've lost the awe and wonder of this great and awesome God who chose to create people in his likeness so that he could have a relationship and enjoy that aspect of his creation of who he is everything it's just it can blow my mind if i sit and think about it for too long and that's where i think we lose it we lose the awe and wonder of this amazing loving good perfect holy god who just wants us to be in relationship with him and enjoy it enjoy it and it's beautiful and it's good and for eternal life it is necessary because if we don't want to know god here on the earth while we're living why would we want to live for him for eternity and with him for eternity and that's why i always you know kind of chuckle at people who say well if god is loving then he wouldn't send people to hell it's like well he's not sending people to hell they're choosing to go there or wherever they're going i you know i don't know uh I have to do some more studying and and reading on the whole aspect of, you know, what happens to a soul after death and when they stand before God, whether they know him or not is going to determine where their soul spends eternity. And that's okay. I'll say it a whole other podcast, (laughs) but you know, when you think about that, it's, if, if you don't want to live knowing God here and now in this life, why would you want to live with him for eternity? Because he's not going to change. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to change. His holiness isn't going to change. And for any person, any human to come into the presence of God, it has to be done in a certain way or they cannot stay in his presence because we are so imperfect. We are so unholy. We are such the opposite of who God is in our human forms that unless our spirit is born again, we will not be able to, you know, withstand the presence of who he is. And that's why we have to have this relationship with Jesus and understand what it is that he came to do. So that's why Jesus is important. And I need to keep our podcast to a certain amount of time and I will continue this. Um, our relationship with the Lord should be the most important thing in our life. And we have to guard it with everything. Um, Jesus, I'll, I will leave it with these verses to think about. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In John fourteen six, And in John 8, 24 he says therefore i say to you if you die in your sins and not believe that i am 
you will surely die in your sins. In other words, if if a person dies without believing in who Jesus said he was, they don't know him. They will die in their sins. And that's not a good thing. In Luke 5.32, he calls all sinners to repent. And he says, unless we repent, we will perish. We will we'll be gone. You know, it's not a good thing. Mark 16, 16, he says, whoever believes in me and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe in me is condemned. And Matthew 7 warns us that there will be some on that day that they stand before him and they will say to him, Lord, Lord, but he will say, I never knew you. If you're in a relationship with him, a real relationship, then he knows you. But if there's anything about the relationship that you're not aware of, you need to ask him, Lord, make me aware. Is my relationship with you real? If not, I need to make it real. I need to make things right and repent, turn away from the things that are keeping you from him and having that real relationship with him. Because without him, we have nothing. Nothing we do here on earth matters without being in a real relationship, born again of the Spirit of God, and having that relationship with Him on a daily basis. So I, that is a very important uh, consideration for, all, for us all. Um, think about this. Listen to it again if you need to. Look up the scriptures that I uh, referenced and really get your heart in line with who God is, why Jesus came, because he was the perfect sacrifice. Remember, we talked about the sacrifices that had to be made on behalf of sinful people who were not living in God's will. Jesus came because that old system failed. It, it, was, it was never meant to do what only Jesus can do. And God made a way since the beginning of before the world that Jesus would do this thing for us in that sacrifice, his perfect sacrifice on the cross to take our punishment for the sins that we would create. And that's why we have to place our faith in him and what he did for us. Thank you for listening. Tune in again next time and we'll continue our talk on the importance of Jesus and what he's done for us and how we can have a relationship that will keep us strong and keep us focused and keep us grounded in our faith. God bless you.